Christ Church, New Malden, Sunday the 10th of April 2022, 11 o'clock service. Tim Davis speaking in the series, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. Uh, it's Palm Sunday. Uh, you may not think this, but I think it's a day which often results in unintended hilarity in church. Uh, why it only seems like the only day probably a few years ago, uh, when Stephen was up here at the 9.30 service, up here on the platform, giving a serious, important announcement about the Easter services, whilst behind him, about a dozen or so children holding their palm crosses upside down, engaged in a mass sword fight on stage. It's a pity we don't have those anymore. Um, I remember when I was a choir boy, when I was young, at uh, All Saints, Kingston, um, and we would stand for the gospel reading on Palm Sunday, holding our palm crosses aloft. And there's always be a couple of miscreants in the choir who had spent the previous 15 or 20 minutes just dutifully peeling their palm crosses apart. So when they held them up, there was just this floppy mess of nothing. Uh, it made me giggle anyway. Um, of course, I never did it. Uh, and of course, you know, Palm Sunday is the only time other than Christmas when it's appropriate or even necessary, you could say, to have a donkey in church. Uh, of course, nothing goes wrong when you have live animals in church, does it? Uh, so yeah, you know, Palm Sunday is quite a celebrating, amusing time. Uh, so why are we thinking about uh, today? Why are we thinking about Jesus Christ, the Son of David, on Palm Sunday? Well, as we heard in our first reading, it's the day celebrating this occasion when a crowd of people welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as the Messiah, the Son of David. Um, and we're going to start off, I'm going to get Katie to uh, be our roving mic, I'm going to start off a few questions just to find out what, how much we as a congregation know about Palm Sunday. Uh, so, first question, uh, Katie, if you're ready to uh, take the first hand up, I'm sure there'll be lots of willing people. Why is today called Palm Sunday? Who thinks they know? Grace. Because palm leaves were thrown in, in, in the path of Jesus as he came into Jerusalem. Brilliant. Perfect. Thank you. These are not hard questions. Nothing to fear. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not because everyone's holding up their palms going, Jesus, high five, come on, as he came past. No, it's because, um, as we heard, when he arrived at the city of Jerusalem, the most important place for the Jewish people, a large crowd had gathered waving palm leaves and laid them and their cloaks down on the road, giving Jesus the royal treatment, welcoming him as a king. Uh, second question. This is an easy one. What did the crowd shout? Well, actually, I'm not going to get Katie to, ask, uh, to go and ask because it's an easy one, because it's literally the title of today's talk. Uh, they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Uh, okay, now, Katie, you ready? It's a slightly harder question. And no, um, who thinks they know what Hosanna means? And it doesn't mean you wait in your garden for your friend Anna to come around the corner and you soak her with your garden hose, going, Hosanna. Um, no, does anyone know what Hosanna means? I think it means glory to God. Say it in the microphone. I think it means glory to God. I might, might be wrong. You are wrong. I'm sorry, Catherine. It's right. uh, no, it actually means save us. Save us. Hosanna, it's this odd word. Um, it's actually a cry of praise, but one that means save us, deliver us. And to use it as a form of praise means to acknowledge that the recipient is that of who you're saying save us to is the one who is going to save. It has its origins in one of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 118. 
the Jewish words used for the words, save us, we pray, O Lord, in Psalm 118, are combined to form the word that in English is Hosanna. So when the crowds are shouting these words of praise, they're also kind of shouting, save us, help us. And, you know, that might seem like a slightly odd thing to shout at this triumphal, celebratory event, doesn't it? And yet it's here that I think we really see one of the most public displays that God was answering his people's cry for salvation. I think what's also interesting in that is that the people weren't shouting, save us, Jesus. They were shouting, save us, son of David. Why was that so important? Jesus is called the son of David about 15 times in the New Testament. And we've been looking at some of those instances in this series. Uh, in the Bible, the word son you know, can have several meanings. Um, so although it can refer, obviously, to the biological and immediate son of an earthly father, you know, son of Joseph, for example, was something Jesus would have been called, it can also have other meanings. Um, what I think is the real kind of proper understanding of Jesus as the son of David is to be found in both a literal and theological interpretation of the title. And taking literally, Jesus was a direct descendant of David, the king of Israel. When Matthew begins his gospel, he started with this abbreviated family line of Jesus, his genealogy, noting clearly his connections to Abraham and David. I think for most readers of the Bible, you know, reading a genealogy is about as exciting as reading a telephone book. It's just a list of names. Um, but actually, you know, I, I quite get excited by them. And Stephen, too, we heard the beginning talk of this series when we looked at Matthew's genealogy. And um, I love it because you get to see in these two genealogies in the Bible, one in Matthew's Gospel, one in Luke's, this history of Jesus' ancestry all the way through the Bible. And you get to see all the people whose names you recognize and see how the events which took place in their lives were crucial for leading ultimately to the birth of Jesus. So when people referred to Jesus as the son of David, they were quite correct in addressing Jesus by this ancestral title. But for a Jewish person in Jesus' day, both this genealogy and this title, Son of David, would have had a much more attention-grabbing power than it might seem to us now. It would have summed up all their hopes and expectations about what God had been promising to do in their lives ever since the time of Abraham. And it would have triumphantly announced that God's plan, this messianic promise, had come to completion in their own lifetime. How exciting would that have been? This promised Messiah, the one who had come to save the Jewish people, was promised to be a direct descendant of King David, it's what God promises to David through the prophet Nathan when he told him, the Lord himself will establish a house for you. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And note the small s, the direct son usage there. 
Jesus was not just the literal son of David in an ancestral sense, but spiritually he came as this promised Messiah. Jesus came as the fulfillment of the promise to David from God. He came as the fulfillment of prophecies spoken by Isaiah and the other prophets, which we often hear read at Christmas. And so when people called Jesus son of David, they may have just been repeating what they heard others say about Jesus, or just think he was literally a descendant of David. But many of them would have actually really believed that Jesus was in fact the promised Messiah, the son of David, in the here and now with them. For example, we heard a few weeks ago about the story of blind Bartimaeus, uh, who referred to Jesus as the son of David when he asked for his sight to be restored. Others who sought healing from Jesus also used this title in their plea. And here the, cry, the crowds cried out, Hosanna to the son of David as he entered into Jerusalem. And interestingly, at no time does Jesus claim not to be the Messiah. I think he even teases the Jewish leaders and hints at his identity in the second reading that we had. Uh, now, it's a bit of an odd one, this, um, which needs a bit of kind of understanding, but he asks the people, with the Jewish leaders there, he says, why do people say the Messiah is called the son of David? And in this case, he's using the small s to mean a direct kind of son, presumably the actual son of David rather than a title. And he points out that David says, the Lord said to my Lord. And this God is addressing someone David refers to as my Lord. Now, you wouldn't call your own son my Lord, particularly if you were a king. So how can his son be this Lord, the Messiah? I like to imagine the crowd kind of murmuring, like, yeah, he's right there, you know, isn't he? Yeah, you, of course it can't be his director, and it, it has to be someone else. And maybe Jesus giving a bit of a kind of a knowing smile or wink or a subtle wink when someone asks him, so is maybe this Jesus the Messiah then? The Jewish people were in need of a savior. They wanted freedom from Roman rule. And God responded to his people's cry for help by sending his son, Jesus, to save them. But he didn't arrive in exactly the way they were expecting. And so we're going back to one more question about Palm Sunday, if you're ready, Katie. Um, now, we know from the passage that Jesus was riding on a donkey when he arrived at Jerusalem. But can anyone tell me why he did this? Why was Jesus riding on a donkey? There is a clue. It was actually in the passage we had read in the answer. Who was paying attention? <laughs> Fulfilling a prophecy. Fantastic. Thank you, Dick. You could rely on that, that road there. Hardcore. Um, yeah. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy from nearly 500 years earlier. The prophet Zechariah had promised the event we now call Palm Sunday. He said these words. He said, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. God always had a plan. Hundreds and hundreds of years before God spoke through the prophets and revealed that he would have a master plan to save mankind from this problem that we all shared, the problem of sin. Jesus rode into Jerusalem and was welcomed 
as a king. The crowd waved palm leaves and laid them on the ground. Others took off their cloaks and tunics and laid them on the ground too so that Jesus would ride over them. And this was a really special thing um, to do. And it too had its roots in Jewish history. Hundreds of years previously, King Jehu was given similar treatment. We read in 2 Kings, it says, The people quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. So Jesus was getting a royal welcome. And yet there he is, riding on this humble donkey. The significance of Palm Sunday is to see Jesus as both Messiah and King, but also as the humble servant. Jesus didn't arrive in a huge golden chariot pulled by half a dozen mighty stallions dressed in fine robes and wearing a crown. Instead, he arrived on a humble donkey, just as the prophet said. And as he rides into Jerusalem, this central location and focus of the Jewish faith, it's a city under occupation by the Romans, assisted by the Jewish leaders, because it also served their own self-interest to do so. And yet, they are challenged. Because here is someone being proclaimed a king from the royal line of David, someone who might actually have a rightful claim to the throne and be king of Israel just by nature of his ancestry. And this was a massive threat to the Romans because here was someone they feared could justifiably star up and lead a rebellion against them. And he would be a leader of the Jewish people, the promised Messiah. And that's definitely not what they wanted and definitely not what the Jewish leaders wanted. The Jewish leaders who hated Jesus, not only because he did not give them the honor that they thought they were due, but in fact because he also publicly called them out on their own flaws and hypocrisy. And so they realized, they thought, well, maybe we can use this actually to our advantage. You know, he's been proclaimed as the Messiah, but he can't possibly be the Messiah. We know that. So if he says he is, and that's blasphemy, and that's how we'll get rid of this upstart who risks upsetting the order of things that are currently working out so well for us. And that's what leads up to the events of the following week. But on Palm Sunday, we focus on what it means for Jesus to be the son of David, the Messiah, a king. He was the Messiah. He was to be the king. But both the crowd and the Romans and the Jewish leaders got it wrong as to the type of king he would be. This was no ordinary king, if a king could ever be described as ordinary. Um, but it was not the king that the Romans feared. He wasn't there to lead a rebellion against them, but to bring an end to their rebellion against God. The people were looking for a leader, but what they got instead was a redeemer. Let's just consider the events immediately before and after this episode of Palm Sunday in the Bible. Just before he comes to Jerusalem, Jesus heals two blind men who called out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And then just after this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus goes to the temple and he goes crazy, mad with rage, driving out the money changers and the people selling animals for sacrifices. 
Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, not as a mighty warrior, but as a humble servant, knowing that he would soon die a horrible death, but did so in order to truly save each and every one of us. And to know Jesus is to follow Jesus. The Christian faith is the story of Jesus. We should live it as his disciples witnessed it, being Christ-like in our behavior, doing what Jesus did. You cannot know who Jesus is after the resurrection unless you've learned to follow Jesus during his life. To know Jesus at the cross and resurrection, we must also journey with him in his ministry. We must show compassion to those around us in need, as Jesus did. And we must get angry at the injustice and inequality in this world. Jesus was welcomed as a king, and yet his anger was not directed at the Romans occupying the land, but towards the people in charge of leading the Jewish people in their faith. He doesn't start a rebellion in the land. He starts a rebellion in the church. To understand what God was doing in the events around Easter and at Palm Sunday is to really understand what God's plan was and would involve. Because he doesn't do what you might expect, and certainly not what the people were expecting. They welcomed him as a king, their Messiah, and they expected him to lead them in a rebellion against the Romans, to bring them freedom. But that wasn't how God planned to bring his people freedom, real freedom. It didn't involve a war, it involved a sacrifice. That is why the title, Son of David, matters to us. Because up until that moment, we just didn't understand what God was doing when he promised that the Messiah would come and bring salvation to all. It wasn't about who was in charge here on earth. It wasn't about which part of the world you lived in and called home. It was more than that. The Romans weren't the biggest threat to the Jewish people. Sin was the greater enemy. Sin held all of us in captivity, unable to be welcomed into God's kingdom. His perfect love couldn't be spoiled by our imperfect sin. But his perfect love could overcome this and pay the price once and for all. The same crowd that chanted Hosanna would one week later turn instead and shout for Jesus to be crucified. Instead of, yeah, they weren't carrying him on their shoulders in triumphant, as a triumphant leader. Instead, they made him carry his cross to his death. They didn't dress him in fine robes and crown as a king, but stripped and mocked and beat him and placed a crown of thorns on his head. Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Jesus Christ is far greater than any the mind of man could ever conceive of or plan. We looked for someone to fight our battles in the present-day world, yet God had the ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the final battle over death and sin. This is the greatness of why we celebrate this week, from Palm Sunday through to Easter Sunday. Because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, we can be set free from death and live with our Father for eternity. 
We think about the different names given to Jesus, and each of them will mean something important. Friend, Saviour, Son of God, Christ, the Good Shepherd. But when we think of his title as King, as proclaimed by the people when they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David, the Messiah, we must then acknowledge what that must mean in our lives. It means Jesus is Lord over all. And he must be sovereign over our lives. We can't ignore his commandments to us because he is Lord over all. When Jesus says we must love one another, we must do so because he is king of our lives. When Jesus says we must repent and say sorry for the wrong things we do, we must do so because he is Lord over all. And when he says go the extra mile, when he says turn the other cheek, when he says care for the poor and needy, when he says stop obsessing about your money and your wealth, when he says forgive, when he says let your light, the light of God, shine in this world, we must do so because Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, saviour of the world, is our heavenly king and we owe him all the glory and honour and praise that's due his name. Amen.